you can trace the bad ailments of our community in some ways to hunger. And so I think the community finds, again, value in the services that we provide. But I think ultimately, we know that a kid goes to school hungry, he or she's ill-focused. A parent that goes to work hungry is ill-focused. A senior that is choosing medicine over eating is struggling. So again, I think folks find value in it, but it's just sad that there's that many people that are in that situation. Welcome to the Nonprofit Podcast Network. Our purpose and passion is to highlight a nonprofit organization in each episode, giving that organization an opportunity to tell their story in their words to better inform and educate the respective communities they serve, as well as provide one more tool for them to share their message to constituents and donors. Hi, I'm Jeff Holden, Principal of MultiPoint Content Strategies and Hear Me Now Studio. We provide this forum pro bono to help build stronger communities through shared voices and to both encourage and support the growth of local nonprofit organizations through podcasting. Food insecurity is a pressing issue in Sacramento County as a significant portion of our population grapples with limited access to nutritious and affordable food. Despite our agricultural abundance and farm-to-fork recognition, disparities in income, employment, and affordable housing have left many residents vulnerable to hunger. This problem has been exacerbated by the economic fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic, which has further strained the resources of already vulnerable households. The need to ensure that all residents have access to an adequate and reliable food supply has never been greater. Did you know that nearly one in four families experience food insecurity? The majority of those families have children at home. Food insecurity is a mostly unrecognized challenge our community faces, and there are many organizations doing great work to mitigate the problem. However, None have the longevity, presence, and leadership we'll be discussing in this episode. My guest, Blake Young, is the president and CEO of Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services. He's been involved with the organization since 1995 and has served in his present role for 18 years. There's a lot I certainly didn't know about the organization, and there are many misconceptions about who the hungry are and how it is they get served. With over 10,000 volunteers, 85 employees, 30 million pounds of food annually, and an all-in budget of nearly $80 million, the organization that is now serving over 300,000 people per month is as much a logistics company as it is a support mechanism for the 120-plus distribution centers it services. You're going to learn a lot from this discussion about how our community's need for food is getting handled. Blake also serves on the board of the California Association of Food Banks and Soil-Born Farms. He's a graduate of Chico State, an Army veteran, and he's married with two grown daughters. You'll find him in his downtime outdoors in many different areas of our state. It's my pleasure to have Blake Young in studio to share the vital stories that get our hungry fed. Blake, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here. Happy to be here. So let's start out with what the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services is and who it represents. If you could maybe give us a little history and then bring us to the discussion that we had when we met pre-show about food banks, that would be helpful. Yeah, you bet. So, well, gosh, Father Dan Madigan is our founder and still is. And uh, in fact, I talked to Father Dan just recently. You know, he and a cadre of volunteers, I would say most of which were World War II veterans, 
got together and saw that there was an opportunity through the Catholic Church to help some local folks in Oak Park. And so they started a soup kitchen at Immaculate Conception Church, which ironically is only about three blocks away from our original headquarters. And over time, you know, they were they were feeding meals. And as folks lined up, they recognized that, that hunger was only one situation that they were dealing with. And so Father Madigan kind of founded Sacramento Food Bank. And then eventually, not too long after that, moved the organization to a more permanent location. And then just slowly with volunteer help, folks that were in education, folks that were in social service, other folks, like I said, World War II veterans that just wanted to roll up their sleeves. Maybe they were retired. They started programs and it started with food, obviously. And that was kind of born the food bank work. And again, just as they were, as they were seeing folks in the line and talking to them, breaking bread together, they learned all the other things that that they might need help with. And, you know, Father Dan back then was a, a big go-getter. He was very popular, very popular priest, uh, has quite a personality and the ability to ask folks for money. And, you know, the organization began to grow. I like was, any good Catholic priest, I'm sure, right? Absolutely. And and he was definitely one that rolled up his sleeves. And, you know, I was blessed enough to meet Father Madigan. I was a volunteer back in 1995 through working with United Parcel Service. And Father Dan and I struck up a friendship. An opportunity came up and and I kind of left everything and and went to work for Father Madigan. So fast forward to 2005, as you referenced, again, I was blessed enough to become the CEO. And obviously, those are really big shoes to fill. But we were lucky in the sense, and I say luck, you know, because there's all kinds of things that occur to make an organization great and successful. But, you know, mainly it was people. Our greatest, you know, thing that we had was the volunteers and the staff. They were super dedicated to the mission of helping folks. And, you know, we were just very blessed with community support. We'll talk about the Run to Feed the Hungry, but the organization was ripe for growing and the need and demand was there and leadership was there. We had a wonderful board, a very dedicated board. And, you know, every year I became CEO in 2005 and literally every year since then we have grown. And, it, you know, I think it's it's two sides of the coin. Unfortunately, and sadly, the demand for our services has ballooned. We'll talk about post-COVID, but and the community support for the organization also ballooned and, and folks recognized on both ends that one, there was great value in the services we provided and the community recognized that and really supported it. So if you fast forward, like we talked about to COVID, seniors were asked to shelter in place. That was the bulk of our volunteers. Mm-hmm. All of the agencies that we that we help manage and provide food to at the time was almost 200 Many of them had to close down their doors because, again, retirees are the bulk of the, the volunteer force. And so at the same time, we we had less agencies to do the work. We had less volunteers to actually pack and work in the warehouse. The demand for our services doubled. So fast forward to today with inflation, with, I think, people being introduced to our organization and the services we provide through our network they're finding great value in the quality of food resources. And now we're looking at every month, 
COVID peak numbers continuing. In fact, I just got the report from our August numbers and we're just shy of 300,000. So pre-COVID, we were providing food to 150,000 people. Today, we're at 300,000. So the demand is high, but the community support is high as well. Which is incomprehensible, I think, to a lot of us who think, wait a minute, COVID, pre-COVID, 150, post-COVID, things aren't worse, yet you're servicing more people. How is that? I know we, we talked about it, and I think it's really important for our listeners to understand what that is. It is worse, and it's worse in several ways. One is folks in Sacramento have high cost of living, obviously not as high as Bay Area or Los Angeles, but it's very high. Mm-hmm. Most employment's marginal for, for the folks we're talking about. I, I, can, I can tell you of hundreds and thousands of wonderful people, seniors on fixed incomes, moms and dads with young children, recent college graduates that are struggling with inflation and the cost of living here. It's a perfect storm that it's actually worse. So, you know, at the same time, that reflects some of our challenges as an organization, because if, if, if folks are having a hard time paying for food because of inflation, we're obviously spending more money on food mm-hmm. and, more, and more money on fuel, et cetera. So doubling, it didn't get cheaper. It's, it's doubled. So, and at the same time, demand is doubled. So mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, I, I think it's worse because of just the cost of living exceeds what, what most people and good, hardworking, wonderful folks. I think there's a misconception that people don't want to work or that aren't working, receive our services is totally untrue. Mm-hmm. The majority of people that receive our services actually are kids under the age of 18, seniors over the age of 70, and many single moms with children. The volume of growth would scare the heck out of a business operator just because to service the demand means you have to have the resources to comply. How on earth did you handle a doubling of demand from 150 to 300,000 on the resource side? And, and I mean, not only on, on money, but food. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I, there's a lot of people to thank. So I'll do my best. So I think I'd start with the federal and state government. This was an emergency situation during COVID. They did step up and provide all food banks. Again, there's, there's one food bank per county mm-hmm. in the state of California designated food bank. The federal government through the state helped fund additional food resources. They also helped fund some trucking expenses, and they also helped fund some capacity building. So on top of the federal state government, some local government helped through that individual contributions. I mean, people that were already providing resources, financial resources to us, really stepped up the plate. Gosh, we're just so blessed to have them. Corporations, foundations really opened their hearts and really looked very favorably upon food insecurity. It it rose, as you know, to, Mm -hmm. to the number one kind of social concern. And so we were able to, we were able to take advantage of that. And then local businesses and local media. I mean, they were very, very wonderful, not only to work with, but they really found value. They knew and they were very interested in what we were doing. And so, I mean, you know, that combination helped us get to where we are today. And I'll tell you, without all that community support and once COVID was in the rearview mirror a bit and people were able to get out of their homes, all of our volunteers came back and And so right now, we're lucky enough to have probably a stronger volunteer force than we had pre-COVID. And I'll bet that 18 years, 
as executive director, leadership, CEO, really benefited because there's no turnover. People know you. They know the organization is stable. It's necessary. It's done a phenomenal job over the course of its exposure to the market that everybody's comfortable saying, if I'm going to put my money someplace, I want to put it where it's going to do the most good from somebody we know who gets the good done. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, th there is longevity at the board level, at the leadership level at Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services. I think the the mission speaks highly to the people that work with us. We, we've had very little turnover in middle management and leadership. So, I mean, we're definitely blessed with that. But you know, it does, it, it comes with a lot of hard work. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I think another misperception that people have, thank you for clarifying the food bank thing. There's only one of you in each county, mm -hmm. but the other misconception, misperception is that you feed people mm -hmm. indirectly. You feed people. You don't necessarily feed people through the food bank. It gets distributed. How? Yeah, that's a great question. So you're talking about our structure. Yes. So this is the emergency food network structure. Every county in the state has one. In fact, most counties in the entire country have one because regional food banks have become the staple probably in the last 25 years. But how we work is Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services is the hunger relief leader in Sacramento County. And we have right now over 130 agencies that partner with us that feed directly folks that need food resources. So we buy, we store, we deliver all the food to the agencies so they can help the end user. Where there is also a misconception is, generally speaking, we have a warehouse kind of like Costco or Amazon. And our agencies can order online. We do the fulfillment. We make sure that we get the food to all of these agencies. So without all the great work done by the agencies, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't exist. On the flip side, without us having all the food and getting it to them, they wouldn't be able to do the work that they do. So it's a wonderful partnership. However, we do have some programs. We are out in the field. Unfortunately, Sacramento is higher than the state and national average in hunger. Our agencies do not have the capacity to feed everyone. So as we evaluate the network's ability, as we bring in additional resources, currently we are going out in the field and feeding people from pop-ups, from parking lots, from churches, because there's so much pressure on the network. So our goal and what food banks, true food banks do, is evaluate their business, evaluate the resources they have, evaluate the network that they were providing resources, and see if we can't strengthen the network in order for us to get out of the direct business. Mm -hmm. Because really, most food banks are wholesalers. We're getting the food to the people that get food to the people. So that, that's really how the structure works. Well, and to your point, I had the benefit and pleasure of walking through the warehouse, which I think you said is about 120,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. That's massive. That's the size of a Costco. And it looked like an Amazon logistics center with the forklifts running and then the pallets and neatly organized and just an unbelievable operation. I didn't realize you came from UPS. So logistics is in your blood, <laughs> a little bit, which it has to be for what yeah. you've got going on. And seeing the operation is almost another awareness of the significance of what it is you provide. And we will have pictures up on the, the show notes page so people can actually see what it is you've got there, because it's an amazing, it's an astounding structure. 
in terms of what's in there, you know, what's in the structure, the way the food is is packaged and sorted and and um, stored. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Because I saw pallets of things wrapped and shrink wrapped, and I saw the volunteers packing carrots. Yeah, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things. Can can you share a little bit more about what happens in the warehouse before it gets distributed to the to the food shelters or to the community? You bet. I think another misconception is is we deal in all donated food. Food banks could not survive in all donated food. Yeah. So we we purchase quite a bit of food. So we generally speaking deal in semi truck load. We are ordering and purchasing. 40% of all the food that we distribute is fresh fruits and vegetables. So that that alone creates its own challenge because it, it requires a lot of cold storage. So when you walk through our warehouse, you saw that we have massive cold storage capability. The demand has necessitated and the ongoing desire to increase the amount of nutritious food, fresh food, it's requiring a lot more cold storage. So when you walk through, you saw we're preparing to triple our cold storage capability because the demand's high. We want our nutritional value to be high. A lot of people that are asking for help want to cook their food. And that's mm-hmm. another misconception. They only want they want to open a bag of Doritos and eat it. That's not true. The majority of people actually want to cook. They want to scratch cook. And so fruits and vegetables are very are the, the demand for those are very, very high. But what you'll see is so we deal in truckload. Lots of volunteers, like you saw, break down the pallets into smaller units, break those down even further so our agencies can take them. The majority of what we're doing is we are bringing in large quantities of food, we're breaking them down, and we're providing fulfillment to all the agencies. Some of our food goes to school kids in all of the school districts. Some of the food goes to seniors as prescription boxes. Most of the food, though, has been ordered by the agencies online, and and our folks have done the fulfillment, and we're packaging the pallets together, and we're delivering those to over 130 agencies. Another thing that folks may not understand is a huge portion of what we do is not even at our warehouse. We have over 140 retail establishments that we're that we pick up food from, and we do it in partnership with our agency. So if if there's an agency, for example, in Elk Grove uh, that provides food, and there's 12 grocery stores in the Elk Grove area, and they have the capability, we manage that relationship. So the food doesn't have to come all the way back to our warehouse and go directly to that agency. And that 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 lengthens the shelf life of that food. So the rest of it is, is you know, we, we get donated product from farms. As I mentioned earlier, we buy all of our produce from various farms in the state of California. The federal government has a USDA program that we get certain programs from that really provide staples. So if you think about it, you got wholesalers, manufacturers, you have farms, and you have the federal government, and you have local retailers. That comprises just about 100% of the food that we get. So to the contrary of what people think, the food really is, not only is it quality food, it's fresh. It's farm to fork, basically, as if we are getting it through the grocery store. That, yeah, that's correct. We are lucky in that we cooperatively buy with 41 other food banks in the state of California. So we're 
we're buying from all over the state of California. Big, I mean, I think we'll, we'll probably go over a billion pounds this year in California food banks. So, but again, that presents challenges for our the infrastructure in our network. Mm-hmm. Not it, not every food program that we provide food to has good cold storage. So, partly what we do, and you you and I talked about, it, is we evaluate the system's capability. So, if we know that there is issues or challenges with food logistics in Galt, for example, mm-hmm. our team will go down, evaluate the situation, talk to other partners, maybe even talk to non-traditional food program partners, like a school district and say, how can we partner together to get that? What do you need? Well, we need additional cold storage. Well, Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services may spend their own money through a grant to help them with that. Tell me a little bit about the volunteers. I know when we were walking through, I had a uh, cadre of Walmart people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and mention your wall too. We've got a picture of that wall. But who is it that actually comes in and volunteers? You mentioned you know, the, the seniors are are probably the most prolific. Yep. But it, it appears that you've got these corporate volunteers and and all sorts of different ways that people come in to support the food bank. The great question. So I mean, it's the backbone of the organization. It really is. So everything that we do from packaging food to going to our direct distributions, handing out food is done mainly by volunteers. Like you had mentioned, our our staple volunteer is somebody that's retired that can come two to three days a week. And they, you know, they, they, there's great camaraderie in all of our volunteers, you know, rolling up their sleeves, having a good time together and they see each other consistently. So that, that's, that's one area. That's a very big area. It's just so lovely and so many people that do it. However, another huge area and growing is the corporate help. And so that could be that in corporate, I say loosely, this could be a small business. This could be a giant corporation mm-hmm. like SMUD. So, I mean, the day you came in, I think we we had pg e volunteers. I think we had Rayleigh volunteers. And then we had Walmart volunteers. Mm-hmm. I think the, the morning before you came, we had probably three other groups. And so primarily... That's where the bulk of the work is being done. What, what you saw is you saw that some folks were packaging carrots. So what what we do is we buy carrots from the farm. They come in in bulk, and then our volunteers break them down into small packages for individuals and families. And then other volunteers are on a a line, if you will, and they're packaging school boxes for children, and they're packaging senior prescription boxes. And so that's really the bulk of the work. But without them, this work would not not happen. They're they're just absolutely wonderful, and they really love the mission. So two comments on that. First of all, I've never seen such a mound of orange yeah. <laughs> with people just digging into it, and, and I'm sure it's somewhat gauged in terms of what they put into yeah. the packages. Yeah. I've never seen that many carrots. So yeah. it's, it's just a visual to see on a pallet all these carrots going into the bags. But the other question I really wanted to ask was, how many employees versus how many volunteers do you have? Great, great question. So this year we'll have over 10,000 volunteers. Oh my gosh. And we have 85 staff, some of which are in the field all the time, evaluating our network partners and seeing how we can help there, going through community meetings and trying to, you know, again, strengthen the network. And then we have all of our operations and programs back back at, back at home. So, I mean, again, 85 85 staff and over 10,000 volunteers. You know, what's amazing about that too, is those 10,000 people that come through the warehouse or wherever they participate, then share the experience, furthering the awareness of the organization. Not to mention the other things that you do, 
that keep you front and center in the community. That's that's just an amazing, it's an astounding number. And for the benefit of a slide that I will have in the in the show notes, you've got this wall. Tell me about that wall because I thought that was really telling and it just shows the community support you've got. Yeah, so we have a wall of fame, if you will. It's really our volunteer groups, whether they're schools, whether they're corporations, whether they're small businesses that come and if it, once they earn or once they volunteered a certain amount of hours, we take their shirt and we frame it and we put it on the wall. And, you know, they seem to like it. it it's it, it's a great talking piece for folks that are considering getting involved with the organization. You know, you look at that wall and you think we must be doing something right because people like to come back. They find value in the volunteer work. And it, it's just it just makes you feel good. It's It's a great piece to talk about. Well, it made me feel good looking at it because I recognize so many of the names of community leadership organizations that you see do a lot for what makes up Sacramento. And I think it's a big statement that they're involved in a variety of different ways, giving back. And that's giving back from the employee level, not at the corporate level and the philanthropic level, but from, you know, the rank and file employees who say, hey, we want to participate too. We want to give back some of that time to the community which is a testament to, again, to the leadership of those organizations. We talked a little bit about that distribution of messaging and the awareness of what the Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services is. Let's shift gears a little bit now. And you have a fundraising mechanism. What are the the outlets that you utilize short of grants and federal funding to provide the necessary revenue to run this thing? Well, first and foremost, it's it's individual contributions and family contributions. I mean, that's the biggie. And and believe it or not, that's the bulk of the revenue through all food banks in the country. I'm amazed that it comes that much from the community. It does. And I, you know, you said something earlier that that was right on. People that come to volunteer go and tell their friends they had a good experience. We hope they do. And we try really hard to ensure that they do. They come back. I, you know, I feel that once somebody, you can read about Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services, but if you've taken the time to either see what we're doing on the ground, or if you've participated in some sort of volunteer opportunity, I think you be, you end up becoming a financial contributor. And at the end of the day, as simple as I can make it, we are funded by average people that have somebody at arm's length that have experienced hunger if they haven't experienced hunger. Mm-hmm. And these aren't monstrosity gifts. These are people that give $10, $20, $50 a month. They almost give it for their entire life. They teach their children to give it. Their children teach their children to give it. We have we have four, five, six generations of people that are given to Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services. And you may be surprised to know that these aren't millions of dollars. These are small chunks of money that people just believe in the work. And I think they they really do believe that, first of all, nobody should be hungry, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just such a simple thing that people take granted for. And there's so many people in our community in the breadbasket of the world, if you will, that are struggling to do it. You know, and you mentioned that a little bit earlier too, that food insecurity it's invisible. Food insecurity is invisible. We don't see the person who's hungry. We see them, they may be dressed fine, everything may look okay, but they're paying now $6 a gallon to get their vehicle from point A to point B with a minimal income, their kidney shoes, maybe they want something special for the family like soccer shoes or a uniform or whatever the situation may be. 
And it's going to go to that knowing that they have a, a backstop with the food bank. If they didn't, they may be on the street as well. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you and I talked about the food resources that we provide might allow folks, if you will, to spend money somewhere else. I have thousands of examples of senior citizens and of young families or sadly grandparents that are taking care of their kids uh, mm -hmm. because their families can't afford daycare that go without eating to ensure there's times we've we've heard it i've heard it thousands of times in my career yeah i'll i, I will eat one meal a day just to make sure that my kids will be you know well fed and again sacramento unfortunately has a high number of people that are in that situation but the flip side, as I said earlier, we have, we're one of the most generous communities I've ever seen. We're really, really lucky. So demand's high, but the giving's high. You know, and thinking about that, it took me a while to process it. 300,000 in a city of a little over a million, million two, that's 25% of the people experiencing food insecurity in some way, shape or form that you're servicing on a regular basis. So clearly there's an issue that is not getting better and is actually requiring more and more service for these people to stay in their homes, to educate their children, to keep their jobs, just to do what they need to do to get along. Our philosophy is a well-nourished person is a more productive person mm -hmm. in our community. And you can trace the bad ailments of our community in some ways to hunger. You know, I, I think the community finds, again, value in the services that we provide. But I think ultimately, we know that a kid goes to school hungry, he or she's ill-focused. Correct. A parent that goes to work hungry is ill-focused. A senior that is choosing medicine over eating is struggling. So again, I think folks find value in it. But, but again, it's just sad that there's that many people that are in that situation. And I think that's what gives cause to those who experience the volunteering you know, something with the organization to say, oh, wow, I get this. This could be my neighbor and I don't even know it. So what a compliment for the way that you've touched so many different people in so many different ways. Let's move now into something fun. Sure, you bet. Because uh, I'm, I'm dying to get there. Okay. It's the visible part. It's on the screen behind you. There's an event that you do and have been doing now for... This is our 30th year. 30th, yep. Which is an amazing event. It, for me, should be, you know, the Sacramento tourism <laughs> reason to come to Sacramento. Tell us a little bit about the Run to Feed the Hungry. Yeah, well, the Run to Feed the Hungry started actually from an idea with Father Madigan and some other volunteers back in 1993. Our first year was 1994. I think they had like 768 participants. We're hoping for 30,000 this year. You know, the run is an amazing event. We are very lucky. It's been a lot of hard work. We're very lucky and blessed that that it's tied to our organization. We manage it, we fund it, but the community supports it. And it's such a family tradition. I mean, every year, at least one family, actually a lot more than that, comes up to me and says, hey, we have a new addition to our family. And it's a great, great grandparent with their kid, kids, kid, kids, kid, kid, kid that are now doing the run to feed the hungry. And, you know, I just think Father Madigan was brilliant in that when he said, we're going to do something on Thanksgiving day, most people said, you're crazy. No one will come out because I mean, it's Thanksgiving. 
And he saw that's the whole point. And so I think I think it's such a great if you know if obviously if you're flying in it's a little bit different but if you're a Sacramentan and it's fairly convenient for you to come over here and do the event get back to your cooking and your and your good vibes with your family but I think ultimately it's a chance to pause for a second to understand that there's a lot of people in our community that that aren't going to enjoy Thanksgiving and Folks are doing their little part to make sure our community is well-fed. I took some liberties at last year's event to talk with the people who were participating. I think you'll appreciate what they had to say. My dad and I would do this every year, and he lives in Texas now. And we've, I'm going to be 40 in about three weeks. And he and I have done this since I was in my early 20s. And I was sitting drinking with my husband the other day. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to sign up. I haven't done it in a few years. and We're recognize how privileged we are and we want to actually make an effort to to give back to those who are less fortunate than we are. How often have you done it? Well this is my first time. These are veterans and they've been We've probably done this about five years now. So so it's a tradition that we have family that fly downtown and and join us for this walk. Where do they fly in from? They fly in from um, LA, Arizona. It's a family tradition. We've been doing it since 2005 and the opportunity to help those that will not get a meal, not only this year, but, or this day, but every day. So we all have to do our part. And Road to Feed the Hungry is, is also really about community. I mean, community in so many different ways. So community in that the entire community really comes out, almost 30,000 people registers, pays money and funds to the organization to be able to do this. I think community in that that individual event raises enough money to feed about 450,000 people, 450,000 visits. Wow. So you got to figure that, that, I mean, that's quite a lot of people. And community in that, you know, I think that there's folks that recognize that this is a a really terrible situation and that they can do something little about it. And so that platform that we get as as the Run to Feed the Hungry allows us to talk about these issues and allows folks to come together and support it. So I'm standing on a corner in the first mile talking to one of our law enforcement officers who are keeping control of the crowd. Morning, the crowd is very happy and energetic today. I've been with the police department for 31 years, and I've done it probably almost every year except for the pandemic. Yeah, it's fun. Well, it's a, it's a cool thing. Sacramento has the largest run to feed the hungry in the nation. And the world, I mean, if you really want to get technical with it. And it's a, it's a, it's a great community event that raises money for a good cause. And it doesn't hurt that you have the neighborhood that brings out its cheer and its cocktails for everyone to enjoy. My dad and I started doing this Run to Feed the Hungry because when I was in my early 20s, we didn't have a lot of money and we would utilize the food banks. So we thought it was something I would really get into and care about. How many years have you done the event? Oh, well over 15. It's a great event. It gives us something to do Thanksgiving morning. It feels like it's a big sense of community when you get out here with all the other people from Sacramento and all of their families and everybody's having a good time. So what better way to start your day? So another great thing about, about the Run to Feed the Hungry is, is tradition. There, I mean, I could speak all day long about the tradition of the event, but you know, you have businesses that years ago developed a team just as a camaraderie piece, and they, they're doing it now every year. 
you know, we're printing their name on their shirt and, mm -hmm. and they're really enjoying that. We have family tradition and we have neighborhood traditions now. So we actually have teams in the Run to Feed the Hungry that have one street block that they all join together, one neighborhood that, that is joined together with various last names, tradition in that we have, you know, folks that actually fly in now from all over the United States to visit their family on that weekend so they can go to the event. So, you know, year over year, that that is growing. I have to believe that those three things that we talked about are, are why the Run to Feed the Hungry is so successful. Well, I didn't have time to do my feathers. And it's early in the morning. So what what you're missing without the visual is that I'm wearing a crocheted turkey cap and the turkey's feathers are in hair rollers. So it's early, it's cold, it's the best I could do. So uh, the Savas have lived in this house for more than a decade. And um, we're sort of passive recreationists, right? We're not interested in running a 10K, but we're very supportive of everybody that wants to do it. So the company is Dr. Greenhouse. We're um, HVAC consultants here in Sacramento. And um, this is our company fundraiser event for the year. So we put together a team. It's maybe a little less about the actual running and walking, more about supporting the community, the food bank, and uh, perhaps some mimosas and Bloody Marys, I, you know. Um, so the costume just sort of add to our enthusiasm for the event. And we're pretty sure that some of these people run faster, maybe to get away from us, maybe just because they feel our spirit. No, I've done it every year for the past 10 years, actually. I organized a team for my daughter's school, and so there was about 20 of us here. Got about, you know, a big group of parents and kids here to enjoy the day and contribute to our community. This is my 19th, 20th year. 20th, 20th year. I think, I think something like that, yeah. I do because we come out with our family friend group, which is them, these people. That's why we're all here. I don't know. It's our, like, time to all spend together and see each other. The thing that I wanted to share, I'm, I'm so excited just wanting to chime in on this, yeah. is because we've done the run with all our kids several times, just depends on who's where, if anybody's in town or how they're in town. We have one resident who's been doing it now probably five or six years in a row since he's been here. And it's an amazing experience. It's an amazing experience just as a general participant. And I think I've done it about 15 times mm -hmm. as as. Some of you know, I used to run a group of radio stations here and I know we supported the, you know, the run yeah. and the years that we were there, it was like, can we beat the year prior? Can we beat the year prior? Will this be a record? And many of the times it was. And if I'm not mistaken, just last year set another record, 30,000. 30, 29.6. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're almost there. We're almost I, there. I knew it was really, really close because really I remember close. everybody talking about it. And it's just such an incredible experience to see that many people, some in costume, everybody is having a great time. It, there's nothing negative about it unless you wanted to win and you came in second, third, or fourth, which there is a competitive element to yeah. it in the run as well, both the uh, the 5K and the 10K. So, and the times are incredible that some of our runners are producing. Oh, absolutely. For these, for these 5 and 10K runs. In terms of the run to feed the hungry itself, is there anything that you've seen over the course of your 18 years there in leading the organization that's like it anywhere in the country? There are a few. 
the I would say the the neighborhood and the weather isn't comparable. There's a few big ones, and and if I remember right, there may be one in Texas and one in New York. Oh, not Texas, please. Yeah, <laughs> but it's but it's it's definitely the largest. I think we are meaning bl- ours. Ours. Yes, I think we're blessed with a what a beautiful community that we're running through with all the lovely trees and the colors, but the weather. I mean, gosh, I, I so I've. I've been involved in the run since 1996, so two years after it started, and it's really only rained on us a couple times. I mean, literally, and it, it it's only rained on us once when the gun went off. So, I mean, that's- I've been there on those rainy okay. ones. Okay. So, when we've been there setting up at early in the morning, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's anywhere like it and for a combination. And, and, as, and like you said, there's, I could go, the stories I could tell you- of little happenings that happen during that day are are pretty heartwarming. And there's, like you said, there's just a lot of people there having a good time, but it, it's just the right vibe. It's mm-hmm. absolutely perfect. And it's a great way to start the day because you're going to eat like a pig <laughs> by the time you get home. So what a great way is to burn off some calories so you can yeah. absorb more at Thanksgiving dinner. You bet. You know, Blake, th- this has just been an incredible discussion, you know, educational, inspirational, exciting motivational. If you wanted to leave the listener with something, what might you say is the most significant thing that you want people to know about Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services? Well, you already said it, that hunger is a silent ailment and people for the most part don't know their neighbors are hungry. And I think folks would be surprised to find out how many people good wonderful people that are struggling. And it's prevalent in our community, unfortunately, but we have a lot of children. We have a lot of seniors. We have a lot of young parents that are trying to make it that are really struggling with hunger. And it's 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 so unfortunate. It's such a basic need. But on the flip side, uh, folks can be ensured that Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services is fighting every day to combat that. We know we're probably not going to end it, but we combat it every day. We feel like through the evaluation and through the strategic plan work that we do, that we're getting better at what we do. And I think folks can find value in that. And we could not do the work that we do without the folks that that provide financial resources. We also couldn't do the work that we do without our corporate partners and our volunteers. So, you know, for me, it's just really showing how grateful we are to the community and 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 just know that we are good stewards with your resources. Two other questions. If somebody wants to participate, whether that be volunteering or donating, how do they go about doing that? Really simple. Website, sacramentofoodbank.org. If you're interested in the Run to Feed the Hungry, mm-hmm. runtofeedthehungry.com. Or, or our, our website is the easiest way. We try to make it as easy as possible. And, and believe me, for every dollar you donate, we can produce five meals. It's quite a return on community investment. I'm, I'm hoping we can get this to our Metro Chamber friends, to our Greater Sacramento Economic Council friends, because I think it really screams volumes about what Sacramento does for those in need. Not only the way that they support you, but the way that they come out for the Run to Feed the Hungry as a point of recognition, contribution, support, whatever the cause is, it's always something bigger than just burning calories. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it wouldn't grow if it was. Right. Yeah, that's just an amazing feat. Congratulations for all that you're doing for the people that you're feeding. And let's hope for that 30,000 this year at the Run to Feed the Hungry, which is on 
Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day morning you have. coming up. You bet. And I also encourage folks to come visit us. Come see what we're doing. Blake, you're making Sacramento a better place. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. All right. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. We may have, may have broken a record today. 2017 was the record. They had like 29,700 and change. And according to Blake, we could get there. tutus with turkeys on them. We have turkey leggings, we have headpieces, we have beanies, and we have turkey glasses. The, the, I think the theme would be, like our friend's hat here says, run now, gobble later. That's the theme. There That's you the go. Theme. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I also, we really that. feel like the tutus add uh, just kind of an, an aerodynamic to us. Like, we're going to get there faster with these tutus, so... Yeah. Are you going to do the 5K or 10K? Uh, 20K. <laughs> 15, we're doing them both. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all, okay, all the Ks, we're doing them all. We, we are here to enjoy and support the Feed the Hungry people. And I see you're wearing a Sac State jersey. Yes, I'm a graduate from Sac State and uh, proud of it. We are about eight, eight of us. We do it every year, and uh, this, is, this is the, about the seventh Eighth year we've been here already. Thank you so much. This is, a, this is a, a very traditional Thanksgiving morning. We come out here and we drink mimosas and we have Bloody Marys and we all get together and it's a it's a fun time. We all bring our dogs and we hang out and cheer on uh, cheer on all the all the runners and all the walkers and it's a phenomenal morning. You are the biggest cow I've seen. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about this costume. I absolutely love cows, and I'm just representing the the cow population. Yeah, yeah. And this is a wonderful event, and it's a great fundraiser. So, you know, why not? How many years have you done it? Uh, 19. Yeah. How many times is a cow? Uh, this is my first. Yeah, right. It's my virgin cow walk. I love that. Yes, I'm moving on down the road, though. I finished, so now I'm just showing everybody my cow. You know, so eat more turkey. Happy Thanksgiving! Thank you for listening to the nonprofit podcast series. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If what you heard moved you, please reach out to that organization and do what you can to help. If you like and appreciate what we're doing to support local nonprofits, please give us a positive review, subscribe, and share. If you're a nonprofit with an interest in participating in an episode, you can reach us at info at multipointstrategies.com. The Nonprofit Podcast Network is a production of Multipoint Content Strategies and is recorded and edited by Hear Me Now Studio. Mm-hmm.